You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Podcast. I am your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Ross Martin, Greg Barnes, On The Beat, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyTShirt.com. Before we get started, you got to rate us and review us. Subscribe on YouTube. Whatever you need to do to get your Inside Carolina content, drop us a rating, drop us a review. We read those things, I promise. We definitely do. And, of course, uh, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, so you need to spend your money on Carolina gear at Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We got our On The Beat podcast, Greg Barnes and Ross Martin, like I said. Uh, before we get started, gentlemen, we talked about doing a, a mailbag podcast, but I want to go to Greg Barnes first. Greg, uh, recording this on Tuesday night, late Tuesday night, uh, Wake Forest and Notre Dame now canceled due to COVID, I guess Notre Dame's issues this time. Uh, a lot of people on the message boards, Twitter, everything, think Wake and North Carolina ought to get together on Saturday. Tell us why or most likely why not that will not happen. Well, the the idea for North Carolina to, to schedule a game for September 26th was if you could do it soon after the Charlotte game was announced as being canceled which was announced on Thursday, if you could do it, get it done by the end of the weekend, then North Carolina could go into their standard week of preparation. You know, typically, Sunday is a corrections day, but you kind of start looking more at yourself and, and fix some things and maybe look ahead to the next opponent. But really what happens is Monday is the player's day off. It's mandatory by NCAA that you have one day off, uh, and that's, that's the day UNC and a lot of teams have picked. But then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is your standard week of practice and game prep. Installation, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is a polished day, and then Friday you have a walkthrough. And so for North Carolina to really schedule a game for this Saturday, it had to get done by Monday. And that's one of the reasons that you know, Bubba Cunningham came out Monday afternoon and was like, look, it's not going to happen. Like, we've tried, we've done what we could, it won't work. And so now that the Wake-Notre Dame game was postponed, you know, as of Tuesday afternoon, that eliminates one day of practice for UNC. So not only would the players be cut short, the staff would be required to kind of get on the ball and try to come up with a game plan. North Carolina wants to play every game they can play. There's no doubt about it. TV revenue is important. Any kind of revenue is, is key at this point in time. But you don't want to put yourself at a disadvantage. And so you're going to do everything within your power to make these games happen, but you're not going to pull the trigger last second just to play a game. Let me ask this, Greg. I was wondering this. UNC will now, if they don't schedule another game, they'll have 10 games um, if everything works out. Why does one game help TV revenue? Do they have to have a certain number of games for, to, to, to get the ACC network money? How does that work with the ACC network and the amount of games they have to play? So the, the idea with the 10 plus one schedule is that you, each team had five home games, you know, five mm -hmm. and five conference. By wording the non-conference requirement the way they did, that it had to be played within the home state, that essentially guarantees each of these teams another home game. When you add it up, that's 15 additional games for the ACC network. And so 
every game that's added to the pot uh, adds revenue. Okay. And so at the end of the year, everybody that's, that's contributed to that pot gets a cut of that money. And so that, that's really what's at play here is that the more North Carolina plays, uh, the high, they'll get the highest percentage of their cut if they play all 11 games. And that's really what it comes down to. North Carolina is not having fans right now. Uh, they're not going to have full fans, I don't think, for the rest of the year. It's going to be a very small percentage. I think you know, initially it's going to be, what, 7% now is the mm-hmm. latest word from the governor's office? 3,500 roughly. Which, I mean, you're, at that point, I would say North Carolina would lose money by having fans in attendance just when you factor in game day staff. Probably just uh, like parents and big alumni. Sure, right. Um, and so you're not looking at ticket sales as a, as a way to boost revenue. It's all going to come from media rights and the ACC. And that's, that's the bottom line with it. So the ACC revenue money is not decided until after the season when they have all the games played. I, I, for some reason, I thought it was a flat fee. And you have to reach a certain number of games, and you have to get to that number to get the money. But they can get more money if more games are played or less money if, if a bunch of games are canceled. And it's, and it's based also on viewership. You know, the more, okay. the more these networks and, and cable carriers and you know, streaming services that carry ACC Network, the more eyes are on the, on the games, right, and you get more ads, and all that kind of factors in. Now, they're able to put out a projection because they can say typically, hey, we knew we had – 12 games during the year for all of our members. Uh, we've got this many basketball games. All these things add up. So they can make a projection, but you don't know until the end of the year exactly what that money payout is going to be. And that's why playing these early season games was so important before the SEC came on board, before sure. the Pac-12 potentially does. I mean, that plays into it as well, right? Yep, absolutely. So Carolina, uh, no game this weekend, which leads to Greg Barnes at the beach. Ross Martin going to the beach. I'm going to the beach. Um, yeah, I mean, 20, 20 games, 20 days between the Syracuse game and the Boston College game. I mean, it's a, like, like Max said, they're starting over. I mean, 20 days of just waiting, test, getting their tests back, uh, trying to not get COVID between, uh, between Syracuse and, and Boston College. Kind of crazy. So, so, so I'm going I'm to test your, uh, your readership, guys, if you actually read my stuff or not. When's the last time UNC had at least 20 days between regular season games? I don't know. Was that your article today? Guys, killing me. I read not it. even reading my stuff. Was it 9-11? It. <laughs> uh, surprisingly, no, it was not 9-11. 1952, uh, wow. they had an outbreak of polio on campus, and it canceled, forced the cancellation of games against Georgia and NC State. I think Buck was in school then, right? Actually, my Freshman father year, was. maybe? Yeah, actually, my father was in school there. He didn't tell me about that. Uh, it's weird how 2020 and now 1952 are running together. 1918. Yeah. <laughs> what a crazy time we're in. Look, uh, so Carolina goes to BC. Greg, is, is a possibility, or Ross as well? Is it, is it Everyone's drinking something different so far. I know. You need to be – if you're not watching on YouTube, this is the time to do it. Uh, of course, you can hear it just as well. Greg, uh, Carolina, B.C. on October 3rd. What is the likelihood that Carolina schedules, I believe, what is it, November 21st or December 12th? I mean, are they pretty solid possibilities that those days are going to happen now? Yeah, they are, they are set on adding a game. Um, they're going to do everything they can to add a game. Probably, uh, like Mac even mentioned, the, the Friday or Saturday before that Notre Dame game. Notre Dame's on a, 
on a Friday this year. So you've got a little bit of wiggle room, whether you want to do a week out from that game, which will give you a short week uh, after, I guess, the, the weight mm-hmm. game, I believe. Or you can do a short week you know, leading into Notre Dame. Uh, and the interesting thing about the December 12th date is that as of, uh, I guess as of Monday afternoon, Bubba Cunningham said that they actually had not talked as a conference about how they were going to proceed. I think everybody saw that Virginia, Virginia Tech was rescheduled for December 12th and automatically assumed, well, they set up the ACC championship game to be on either December 12th or December 19th. Therefore, with there being a game scheduled on the 12th, automatically the championship game goes to December 19th. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, It could be a matter of, given the craziness of this year, that they wait and they see, okay, well, the only two teams that can't play on December 12th are Virginia, Virginia Tech. And if they're eliminated by early November, maybe you go ahead and have the game. Who cares? Yep. Uh, and so December 12th is, is on the docket as, as a potential for North Carolina, but they're going to do everything they can to get that game scheduled and that slot in November. And like we mentioned on Inside Carolina Live this past Saturday, the Big Ten's having their championship, and then the two seeds play, three seeds play, the four seed on down to the, I guess, six seed, seven seeds in the Big Ten. Crazy, crazy. Uh, let's get to the mailbag. And I mentioned Inside Carolina Live, of course, our Saturday show on CHL 97.9. Ross Martin was in the studio this past weekend, Greg Barnes as well. And, Greg, one of the questions or one of the things we discussed, and I believe this is at Beer Cannon, turn four. So maybe a NASCAR fan. We asked asked on Twitter and on on the boards, right, Tommy? Yeah, absolutely. On Twitter and on the Inside Carolina Premium message boards. So if you get your question asked and answered here, um, you're one of a few. Overall, Greg, how does losing Miles Woolfolk affect the defense and personnel arrangements moving forward? Could this be a key loss in your eyes? We discussed it. I thought it was a great conversation on Saturday. Uh, let's relive it a little bit here, Greg. How does Miles Woolfolk affect everybody on the defense virtually? Well, I think it's a big loss, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand off to Ross here momentarily because uh, he's got some, some new insight on this. Uh, but I think really what it, what it comes down to is we knew Trey Morrison was a likely candidate to move to safety uh, just because he, he's a veteran. Uh, he understands how to, how to play different positions. I mean, he played nickel for an entire year, his freshman year, played corner last year. So he's got coverage skills. Uh, and while that bandit position uh, really comes up and helps in, in, in the run game, there's also coverage components. And so with him playing both corner and nickel, he's going to be – probably a better coverage guy anyway Uh, so that was kind of a natural transition and really I think that the bigger question is and this is what we got into on Saturday Tommy I don't think there's any question Conley is going to be a stud at some point is he there yet I don't know and so what what possibly changes is Bryson Richardson Richardson is already in the transfer portal portal you're losing Morrison to safety so you're you're very thin all of a sudden at nickel and so it really comes, it becomes a question of, okay, because North Carolina currently is really only playing with two defensive linemen and they're four man front, you know, two outside linebackers, two tackles. Um, if, if you're not comfortable yet with what you have at Nickelback, do you switch up? Do you add a different defensive lineman up, there, up front and really have uh, kind of a traditional 3-4 look 
where maybe you add a Zach Gill or, or Jaleel Taylor can slide in at uh, even, you know, well, you, he can slide in at tackle and then Tamari Fox can move over to end if you need to. And that way you only have to have four defensive backs out there and don't necessarily need a, a nickel. I mean, Chas Rat can do pretty much anything like that Dom Ross played nickel last year, for example. So Chas can certainly do that in a pinch. So it really comes down to what, what's Bateman's comfort level. Is, is he more comfortable with having Conley out there right now as opposed to putting an extra defensive lineman in? Or is he say, you know what, we're just going to roll the dice with Conley and keep our front six or seven kind of the way it's been? We can't answer that right now. Um, what we can do is say these are the options, these are possibilities. Ross has, has some good information, though, on kind of how this is playing out currently. Yeah, so, I mean, we learned today that, uh, like Greg said, Trey Morrison will move to – the bandit safety spot, leaving that nickelback position open. And I spoke to some sort Oh, and then Max said, Jacorius Conley, true freshman, six foot, 220 pounds, moving to nickelback. And then I texted a source who would know, know intimately about what's going on, on the defense side of the ball. And he told me that, you know, there's a little bit of drop off between Morrison and, and Wolfork. And I think mainly, as I'm sure y'all talked about on Saturday, that, that what you lose to Wolfork is a leadership um, component. I mean, super vocal, super outgoing knows the defense like the back of his hand, can put everybody in position, is just a, a very infectious um, uh, personality out there. So you're losing the leadership with Wolfolk. But from a talent and ability standpoint, there's not much drop-off between Morrison and Wolfolk at safety. I mean, Wolfolk can – or Morrison can cover better. Um, he's physical. He's a little bit undersized. He's 5'9". He's a small guy. But, you know, he is a very talented defender and can pretty much do everything that, that – um, Wolfort could do so you got him at bandit safety and then Jacorius Conley I mean he was going to according to the source he was going to take over that nickelback spot uh, at some point this year anyway I mean he had already progressed enough where they're already eyeing him to get more reps they're going to have eight or nine weeks of practice by the time they play Boston College so he was going to take over that nickelback spot over Morrison I mean, there is uh, – he – apparently he is better or he will be better shortly at that position based on how much he's grown from June to now September. So you add Jacorius Conley in, he's going to get starter reps. He's a physical force. He's more physically um, imposing than anybody they have on the, uh, on the secondary for UNC. So it just it changes what everything looks like. You're going to have uh, maybe more of a run-stopping type nickelback, a bigger guy, and it's interesting to see him develop. So – the guy I talked to doesn't seem like there's going to be much talent and ability difference knowing that Conley has already progressed enough to be a capable nickelback. You know, who knows? I think there'll definitely be some misassignments, some issues early with Conley because he's a true freshman. But, I mean, he's going to be a stud and he's a freak show, the source told me. Interesting news there. We'd heard that uh, he was going to play and play a lot. Sounds like he might be a starter in the near future. Greg, just to stay on Conley for one second, uh, who does he compare to in, in past Carolina teams? I mean, is a Charlie Brown or a, maybe a Denoris Searcy type comparison fair to a guy like Connolly? Uh, I mean, we haven't seen I kinda enough. See, we haven't seen enough, right? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's fair, but I mean, is that a fair? I, I think not comparison, but projection. I think Searcy is probably the the closest I can think of, at least recent times. Uh, I think he's a little bit bigger than Denoris was, uh, but I mean, Denoris could lay a hit. And he was, he was kind of a bigger guy. Um, I think that's really what Conley is. Conley could probably play linebacker if they needed him to. 
Um, and I think a lot of people are kind of asking, well, Conley's got the size. Why don't you just put him at safety? That's a good question. But the reason why is, is that they brought him in uh, the beginning of training camp and said, we need you at nickel. We want you to learn behind Morrison at nickelback. And that's all he's played. You know, Morrison's easy to move because, as I said, started a whole year at nickel, started a, most of the entire year last year at corner. And as Bateman talked about in training camp, his goal was to get Morrison in one series to play nickel, corner, and safety just to be able to do it. That's how versatile he is. Conley will learn different positions as he gets older, but because he's such a young guy, they just wanted him to learn that one position. And that's, that, that's why he's not quite a, a viable option at safety yet. And, and Conley will be a safety during his UNC career. That's his position. That's the NFL position. I think he'll play that sure. next year. And then Mary Morrison will move back to nickel. I think nickel is the position for Morrison, given his size and ability. But Conley cannot play safety based on – he hasn't been at safety this whole, whole, whole season. So far. You mentioned Morrison's 5'9". That's a little small for a safety. So whatever works to get him through and get Connolly some experience. Uh, you mentioned Bryson Richardson. Ross, I'll, I'll go to you, and I don't want to butcher the name from the message board. I'll let you try it, Ross. Any chance Brighton, Bryson Richardson jumps out of the transfer portal? <laughs> no. That never happens. Uh, we, I, don't, I don't have much intel there. I don't know if, if Greg does, but once you're in, you're kind of in. I, I, Sounds like with him, he got kind of down the depth chart, maybe third or fourth, and wants a new opportunity. I mean, he's got a couple years of eligibility left, so um, I don't, I don't see that happening. Greg, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think once you once you enter the transfer transfer portal, it becomes a matter if you want to come back. You've got to make a very appealing case to the coaching staff. Um, and I, I say that because there was one time late in Fedora's tenure where somebody had decided to transfer and they ultimately were able to come back. And the only reason they were able to come back is because North Carolina was in desperate need at that position. And so they were able to willing to offer that person. It's like, look, you know what? Bygones be bygones. We need you back on the team as much as you want to come back. Uh, so it would have to be that, situation unless there was something unique in his decision to transfer uh but like ross said to my knowledge it was really just a playing time thing uh and so i have not heard anything to suggest that he's trying to to back out and rejoin the team all right greg since you called me out on not reading your stuff uh yet what's the most high profile guy for north carolina in the past 20 years that said he was going to transfer all but did transfer, came back, and was a successful starter for North Carolina. Oh, gosh. Um, he was going to transfer maybe to South Carolina. Come on, we got to move this <laughs> along. You don't know, you don't know. I don't know. Darian Durant. Don't you remember that? Darian Durant was packed and loaded, was not? Yeah. You cover those? You didn't cover those teams. I covered you? those no, teams. I, I did. did. It'll I was thinking of somebody more recent who – that's why I said last 20 years. Yeah, yeah, Durant. So, let's talk injury news. Why? Any- I mean, C.J. Stevens, right, was the guy oh, that yeah. was going <laughs> to yeah, – We've talked about him. That's right. Rest in peace, J.B. Sissel. We have got some hilarious <laughs> pictures of J.B. and I with C.J. Stevens. That, that guy was the next, the next coming at Carolina. 99 Heels ask, anything new on KBJ, Greg Barnes? Not that I know of. I mean, we, we kind of heard back in the summer it was going to be October before he get back. 
Uh, Ross, have you heard anything different there? No, and like with the, it's different with Zoom now. Like that'd be something you could just kind of ask Mac if we were in a scrum. There's like six of us there. With a Zoom call with 30 people, like I'm not going to ask that question because it's kind of a waste of a question. Um, but we haven't got no update on that. And Jeremy's Jeremy, the SID at UNC, is pretty good with trying his updates. And yeah, I, what he tore it wasn't Achilles. See, right, that, that's a big time injury. Our intel was that it was an Achilles, and then a one of his teammates actually confirmed it on social media. So, th so that's what the injury was. The other thing to think about is freshmen. We love freshmen, right? Because of the new greatest thing. Um, this is a kid who's not practiced. He has not practiced at the college level. So for people to think that he's going to step into practice, what is today? That September 22nd, for example, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden be ready to go in like three weeks. It's not going to happen. Like if he gets snaps this year, I mean, that would be a heck of a story, but to think that he's a guy that's going to contribute to this team, that I, I don't see any way of that happening. Yeah, Achilles is, I mean, it's debilitating. I mean, you, I had a friend who tore his Achilles March. I mean, he's just now getting to kind of getting back into walk, walking and everything. So, I mean, it, it completely messes up your, your lower body. Yeah. I've seen dudes that tear theirs look like they got shot. And yeah. <laughs> but we're all old guys trying to play basketball. Status, speaking of injuries and freshmen, status of Dez Evans, and then not a freshman, but Joshua Zudu Ross. Did he say, did Max say both were good to go by Boston see, College? Yep. Yeah. I mean, this having 20 days until that game really helps. I don't think either were super serious injuries and just gives them more time to recover. I mean, it sounds like Zudu has been probably practicing soon, if not, if not in the next couple of days. So that's re it's good for UNC and they'll get, you know, it's kind of a catch 22. Like, is it good to have this time off? Probably not, but it does give you time to really figure some things out and really work some things out rather than having to do it uh, in the line of fire. Those Charlotte probably would have been better for building depth, but I think both should be ready for Boston college. Des Evans and uh, Joshua Azudu. Before we go to break last question, not on the board and that, Zudu and Des Evans question from NC fifteen eighteen. Shout out for the question. Greg and Ross both start with Greg. Is playing a team like Charlotte or somebody like you know Middle Tennessee State or somebody terrible, relatively speaking, uh, what's the benefit for North Carolina versus getting more practice time after a game? Uh, I mean, a lot of people have fretted, pulled their hair out, talked about not having games is a detriment going into Boston College. Is it? I think so. I think it's a matter of you want, you want live scrimmage opportunities. Mm -hmm. You can scrimmage yourself all you want. You need to do it against somebody on the field. Um, and that's one thing you, Mac has talked about and Bubba's talked about. You need those live reps. And uh, I thought Mac was very PC about it when he talked about it on, on Tuesday, which is, which is what Mac does very well. But said, you know, one of the reasons we scheduled Charlotte we thought it would give us a little bit of a challenge, but we also thought that we could get a lot of guys reps. And so to get them out there in a game situation, um, you can't simulate that in practice as hard as you try. You have to get out there and play somebody else who you don't know what they're going to do. You know, when you scrimmage your own team, you know, I mean, Phil Longo knows exactly what Jay Bateman's doing and vice versa. And the players do as well. But when you're playing against somebody you haven't practiced against, you have to think on the fly. You have to adapt. And uh, you, that, that's, worth, that's worth going through the hassle of getting these teams scheduled. And that's, that's very important. And one advantage for UNC, though, is they, they do get another shot to look at Boston College on tape. The Eagles play the Texas State Bobcats 
on Saturday at 6 p.m. So they'll have a, a whole other game of tape to look at. Though I doubt the Eagles will show much uh, against Texas State. But, I mean, UNC has one game on tape, Boston College, and they'll have two games on tape if everything goes as planned this weekend. I thought Boston College looked pretty good, but it was yeah. Duke, and and who knows what Duke. Like that quarterback's was. good, uh, Phil Jerkovic. Yeah. Jerky, yeah. <laughs> three hundred yards, two touchdowns. One let's let's uh, we'll get to the fun portion of the show after the break. Let me talk about Johnny T-shirt, JohnnyT-shirt.com. You need to shop them. They're having sales, jerseys, everything you need. Basketball season's right around the corner, November twenty fifth. Basketball season starts, but you can get your football gear. If you're one of the lucky 3,563 fans that can be in Keenan Stadium on, I guess, October 3rd, is that the first? No, October 10th would be the first time for fans in Keenan. Get your gear at Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. 10% off your order if you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. They are the way to go for your Carolina gear. Anything you could possibly want, get it from them. Take another break. Let the national guys pay the bills. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We're back. I'm Tommy Ashley, Ross Martin, Greg Barnes. You're listening to On The Beat Podcast with Inside Carolina, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Let's go to the fun questions. I'll start with you, Ross. Mac Tarhill asks, favorite UNC football game to have covered and why? Yeah, it's easy. I'd go um... – at Virginia Tech, 2015, overtime win to, to clinch the ACC Coastal. Is that Marquise Williams to Quinshaw Davis? That was the that was a really fun game to to, to watch and be there. And you know, it was, it was late fall or I think it was in November against uh, up there in Blacksburg. So that'll be my game. Is the environment overrated or not, Ross? It's a uh, it's cool. It's a cool place to go to the game. I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. Definitely a bucket list to go up there and watch uh, the Heels play in Blacksburg. It's a cool environment. I mean, the fans are – they're right on you. They're talking so much junk behind the UNC bench. I always notice that. Greg Barnes. The uh, yeah, 2010 uh, bowl game, Music City Bowl, just because of how that season had played out. You have the whole Tyler Bray, Throat Slash. Uh, Buck and I were on the field <laughs> into that game and there were liquor bottles pints being thrown on the field they were like landing around us and we were like we are going to die that's also the game uh, i believe it was dante page moss picked up one of the beer cans or beer bottles and like saluted the crowd on the sideline and it was, it was chaotic and it was uh it was wild that, that was that's one that sticks out to me i think ingersoll talks about the story of the spitter 
somebody threw like a spitter at at one of them. <laughs> I forget. And it was like the top button all the way on it, and it came flying off. Did you save any of the liquor bottles? Were they full or were they empty? No, they were all empty by the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, those Tennessee folks aren't throwing wasted liquor. That's right. I uh, let's go on to. Uh, Wide Awake Hill 23 says, we're having a tailgate and each of you are invited. What essential item are each of you bringing? Ross, I have to start with you. Tailgate, each of you invited, essential item. Um, <laughs> a bunch of water. No, um, I mean, if you go food. I mean, I think classic is a bucket of fried chicken. Easy. Uh, you know, there's something about eating that fried chicken. I mean, if you're not going to cook and then if you're going to go – Alcohol, I think the best thing is just a, a, a drinkable uh, handle of bourbon. Greg Barnes. Get things going. Yeah, I'm, uh, I think people make too big of a deal about the, the food component. Like, <laughs> like it's, I mean, filler. You buy, right, it's filler. Exactly. But you got to have. Uh, That's the sponge. You got to have, yeah, good beverages. And uh, bourbon certainly is good. Good quality beer. Uh, Drink way too much natural light in college. Don't yeah. do that. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> Be better yeah, really. than that. Once and, you get uh, older, you that's have the to key. Go. Once you get older, you have to go the uh, the liquor way. It's less, quality, less not quantity. The, yeah, less trips to the bathroom. Right. I'm from Johnston County. Anybody that's ever tailgated with me knows what we bring. I can't really say it on this podcast or on this YouTube. Uh, I think Ross knows what we bring now. No, you 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 were in Bowls a lot last year, Ross. So yeah, I've had my um, fair share. What you're talking about? Yeah, so very good, very good stuff to bring. If if you want to partake, come to the tailgate whenever we can have it. Let's go, uh, Andrew Nepper. Nepper? <laughs> I don't want to butcher, butcher pieces, people's names, and I apologize. What did you Nifer? Nifer, right? On Twitter. Nifer. Nifer. On Twitter, yes. What did you do before working for Inside Carolina? Where'd you go to college and where'd you work before? A little bit TMI, but Greg Barnes, what'd you do before you did this stuff? <laughs> Probably what uh, you did earlier today, right? Right. Uh, I was a uh, golf pro, head golf pro for seven mm. years when I got out of college. That's I, awesome. Uh, Jim Hawkins gives me grief for this, but I, I actually went to NC State for college uh -oh. uh, for uh, – for Kimmy and pulp and paper. And then I transferred to North Carolina for journalism and uh, spent my last two years in college at Carolina and have my degree from UNC. But I do have some, uh, some NC state uh, classes on my, on my transcript. I am sorry. Ross, what'd you do before <laughs> you came to inside Carolina? Yeah, I went to UNC actually did not take a single journalism class as a history major. Uh, I wish I had done more journalism. Would have gotten to this career a little earlier. Uh, journalism, and then I, man, I've done a lot of jobs since college. Um, whitewater rafting guide in the mountains, North Carolina. That is awesome. I was a camp counselor in Colorado, summer camp counselor. I was a, I lived in Raleigh and worked at a, another kind of year round track out camp. Played a lot of dodgeball. Worked at a summer camp in New Hampshire. That was my, the best summers. Summers in New Hampshire. I was a student teacher, a swim coach, then a full-time teacher outside Nashville. And then I was a intern with 24 seven sports and then got on with the kind of UNC site there, Carolina blue and kind of parlayed that built that site up and moved to Chapel Hill. And then eventually 
when things all merge together with CBS and uh, 24-7 and Scout and Inside Carolina. I moved to Inside Carolina, so that was my path. Um, what did you teach in school? What kind of teacher were you? I taught in eighth grade U.S. history. Wow. It was awful. And I coached basketball. I actually loved – I mean, the basketball was awesome, but, uh, <laughs> man, teaching sucked. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a – thankless job i mean you could have 100 good students and two bad students and then your day is ruined they uh those teachers need to be paid a lot more than what they are yeah, yeah. i think like that's every, what we all can agree on what's crazy is like my day now is you know you kind of make your own schedule you can get up early and crush work and kind of have the afternoon and then you kind of make your own schedule outside of games and practices and press conferences when you're a teacher so we, yeah we have tons of freedom as a journalist and what we do with kind of making our own schedule and figuring out times to get our stuff done when you're a teacher every minute of your day is scheduled I mean, you have to be outside ready to go to lunch at 11 23 and if you're not like you're getting yelled at <laughs> so, i could picture you as a uh, yeah that was hilarious yeah, but i don't the, wasn't the best fit i don't uh yeah i don't envy school teachers at all especially these days uh i went to carolina graduated 93 national championship senior year um, here's how I got working with Inside Carolina. I've never told this story on the podcast. Uh, I used to get Inside Carolina magazine and, or the newspaper. You remember those back in the day? Was, mm-hmm. That wasn't even a thing, Ross, when you came on. But we got this big newspaper. I got one laying around, and I didn't get it one day. And I was not happy because I paid for my, uh, my subscription, and I wanted my paper. So I call the customer service number. This man calls me back. He says, you sound pretty passionate about North Carolina sports. I said, I just want my magazine. I paid my $14.99 for my year subscription. And he uh, says, why don't you come work for me? And that was former owner David Eckhoff. And then David uh, sold it to Buck Sanders and Ben and all that. And the rest is history. Been doing it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't online at all back then, obviously. It was still no. the magazine newspaper paper. I think there was – 94 was, when it started, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there was a uh, website aspect, but nothing like it is now. And, of course, uh, yeah. So the, the, first, the first media day I covered was Vince and Jameson and Coda and all in 98. And um, I'll never forget somebody looked at me. I'm not going to say who it is. And said, you're from outside Carolina, right? And so that's how it all began. How far has it come that you guys get the respect you get covering Carolina sports now? So that's a long story to make a uh, short story long. Favorite game while in school, Greg? And it could be at NC State or, or in North Carolina. Hester Hill, 33S. Favorite game while in school? He's got a bunch of questions. We'll go through them. Cool. Um you know, I guess it depends on kind of how you look at it. Like, I had a lot of buddies in school at Carolina. So, I was able to go to a couple of Carolina games when I was at State, which was the last two years of Max' tenure. Um, so, some great games there. Was not able to go to Judgment Day, unfortunately, against FSU. Um, and then, of course, you had some, some bad games. I mean, I was at the Furman game mm, where they lost. I covered that, that one. I don't, and that's certainly not a <laughs> happy memory, but I'd probably, I mean, gosh, uh, probably the best one is one that wasn't at on campus. It was the, uh, Carolina game, uh, in Charlotte. And there's actually both of those games that were in Charlotte. One was the highlight, uh, scoring affair and Torrey Holt was so good. 
Carolina won that one, I believe, in overtime, if I remember correctly. And then, of course, you've got the, the Torbush one where um, – what was his name? Williams, third string, Dominique Williams mm-hmm. took over quarterback, and Errol Hood made the stop at the goal line. David Beaumont, Earl Hood, right at the goal right, line. Right. Yep. That's right. So that's – those are probably the ones that, that stand out the most. Ross. Yeah, I mean – when I was in school, 2004, 2008, um, it was bunting for three years and, and then Butch Davis for one year. And I was actually in school my freshman year in the Miami game when um, I kicked the field goal to beat Miami around Halloween weekend. But I was actually not there. I was in the hospital with, like, this weird issue we won't even get into. But uh, I was – yeah, I was, in a, I was in a hospital in Greensboro, like, on my deathbed. Um, so I missed that game. So I mean, I have to go basketball. I mean, I was in great basketball era. So, I mean, I went to so many, I went to Hansborough when he scored 40 points against Georgia tech. I mean, I, no, no games really stick out, but watching Hansborough beat Duke as a freshman, obviously the 2009 championship team. I mean, 2005, I was a freshman, all that, the whole run for the 2005 team. Um, I was not at the Duke game when Marvin Williams hit his shot, but I mean, that was being in school for the 2005 championship and then all of Hansworth's first three years, then two of, like, Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington. Those were some great basketball games. But no football games stand out. Um, they went – I was looking at the stats right now. Jabon Bunning went 6-6 six and six in, in, in 04, 5-6 and six in 05, and 3-9 and nine in 06. I don't remember much. <laughs> I mean – we go to those games, pretty fun. But I mean, I remember Brandon Tate had a bunch of big runs, and then Hakeem Nix was there. I mean, things like that. But no game in particular stands out on the football side of things. That's a pretty impressive basketball run there. I was there. Mac Brown's second one in ten season, my freshman year at Carolina. Um, as a student, the most fun we had a game at a game was probably the Georgia Tech tie, uh, where they tied the eventual national champions. I guess that was in '90. Um, that was back when we had the Mike Man. I knocked the mic man off the the platform he ran on. He loved it. He jumped up, gave me the microphone, probably said some stuff that my parents would have been embarrassed for. Um, that was a fun time. 93, of course, basketball national championship. Knew a lot of those guys. And um, in nine, freshman year, Rick Fox hit the shot against Oklahoma um, as an eight seed. So that was pretty cool to be around Granville Towers and all that stuff. But we're bringing back some old-time <laughs> memories now. It's kind of kind of scary. Uh, favorite player? Well, let's just go favorite, co- favorite college athlete, Greg, when you were in school. When I was in school. Okay, that changes things. Um, let's see here. Chris Lang's from Gastonia. So I'm, <laughs> I'm partial to, to Gastonia guys uh, being, being from Gastonia. Uh I don't know. I mean, I always loved Ronald Curry just because he was such a big acquisition. Um, but I'd probably have to go – I mean, I think everybody liked Dre Blah. So, Dre Blah was certainly up there. And uh, I was a big fan of Joe Forte. Forte was you know, was on that team my senior year that lost to Florida in the, in the Final Four. Uh, so, this is probably some of those guys. I'm not sure that I had a favorite. Ross, who was the coolest person to hang out with in Chapel Hill, if you did? Or... I, didn't hang out. I didn't hang out with any athletes. <laughs> uh, it wasn't Luke Buxton. Um, probably Brian Chacos was my favorite football player at UNC, overlapped. <laughs> I didn't really know him either. I mean, I uh, – I mean, Was to, that his go... sixth or seventh year? Yeah, <laughs> we overlapped for probably two or three years. Um, 
I mean, football just – I don't know, man. It wasn't – it was weird. Like, I'm so into football now, but, like, I didn't really follow it. It just wasn't as big when I was in school. You know, no Twitter, no Instagram. It just wasn't – I went to the games, but I don't know if I could really tell you even who played quarterback during that era. I mean, I guess it was uh, – I guess I caught some Darian Durant and maybe a little TJ Yates. But, uh, I mean, I think of basketball. I mean, I was there for Sean McCants and Ty Lawson, and those are two of my favorite players. Um, and, of course, Tyler Hansborough. But, I mean, Ty was unstoppable. I loved watching him. Well, yeah, he, he's still unstoppable. He's uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he is YOLO, got, baby. YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> but we won't, we won't talk about that. So, uh, transition is you, – you explained it, Ross. Transition from covering uh, the first sports beat. Did you – when you were teaching and all, did you have any aspiration to be a sports reporter? Like, in, in high school, I did. I, I really was into – I was really thinking about doing journalism at UNC. I wanted to do ESPN and be like a sports, cat, a sports center anchor. That was kind of like what I was thinking about in high school and just it never matriculated in college. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know. But uh, I always loved sports. I always read news and record every morning. So I've always big was big into sports and then dude it was a craigslist ad that responded to that got me with 24 7 sports 24 7 sports blew up it was just, I hit at the right time i was there kind of in the first couple of years 24 7 sports and that is what led to it but always been a pretty good writer and so that helped me and you have to have a passion for what you do and you have to love doing it and working hard it, it just made sense and it, it's paid off landing with um 24 7 and landing with inside carolina it's been great having great mentors like 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 Greg, Ben, and Buck Absolutely. has helped. You can't be that. Barnes, I mean, everybody considers, considers you the best beat writer that covers <laughs> Carolina. I blow a little bit of smoke. How did you uh, – when did you first realize that you were going to be a beat writer for Inside Carolina? See, it's interesting because um, I graduated in 2000, which is after the dot-com bubble had burst. But we – we kind of knew everything was moving towards the internet. I mean, you know, we were in J school. We had a class where we had to learn how to build our own website and I had some, some good professors saying, look, you know, this, this is where everything's going. Newspapers are not prepared for it. The industry is in trouble if they don't get a, get a handle on this. And that really scared me. I had a job offer uh, in spring of 2000 for a newspaper gig and turned it down and decided to get in the golf business. But writing has always kind of been my passion. And so I believe it was, it was 2003, because it was the year I got married. Uh, I just happened to send Buck an email because I'd started you know, frequenting the, the message board, just saying, hey, you know, if you have anything available for, for any kind of writing, let me know, you know, I'm, I'm interested in doing it. And so from 2003 for four years, uh, I started out doing Olympic sports profiles for the magazine. And so each month I would pick four Olympic sports. So you, any of the 26 other than football and, and men's basketball. Uh, and I would do 500 word articles for the, the magazine every, every month. And I did that for a couple of years and then eventually got to a point where Ben started asking me to do some cover articles, cover stories. Uh, and so I'd fill in for, you know, Mark Simpson Voss did that for us for a long time. He was the, the main feature guy. Whenever he wasn't available, then I would slide in and I, I wrote several of those. 
and then it got to a point and and i guess it was june of 2007 uh when, when buck and ben offered me the full-time gig and so uh yeah i really went from like a part-time gig writing to the full-time role and um you know it's interesting how it kind of played out it uh you, i remember writing the the first news press conference that i covered was roy's summer press conference in 2007 uh and i, I think ben was probably cringing trying to edit that story uh just because i was i was kind of out of the the process of of writing stories like that on the fly and before you know it the, the end of the year north carolina's in the final four and san antonio and Ty, uh, tyler hansbrough's winning national player of the year and so it evolved very quickly and then of course with the ncaa mess everything kind of blew up from that point forward so um interesting how it's played out and, and now i've been doing this job for uh, a little bit over 13 years, which is kind of crazy. Hmm. I guess I used to send you emails saying, can you hurry up and get your article in for the magazine so sure. JB and I could edit them? Yep, for sure. <laughs> who, who knew then the birth of a legend? Last question before we get out of here. <laughs> Everybody's got uh, places to be, things to do. Uh, most historical person you've ever interviewed. I, I, where's that question? I had it right here. Hold on. Let me read I, it. I didn't see that one, but yeah. Hester Hill. His, he, you get one question, Hester. Uh, you got like six in there, <laughs> but best historical player and coach to interview. So I guess let's say your favorite player and coach to interview Ross. Historical. So I was going to say like, I've interviewed John, Antoine Jameson, but I, mean, I guess you mean someone who I covered. Doesn't matter. Yeah. We'll, we'll I mean, say best person you ever interviewed. I mean, dang, Roy Williams is pretty good to cover. Roy Williams and Mac. I mean, those are two hall of fame coaches. It's, it's we're kind of blessed to be able to, cover those two and so you got to go with them i mean especially the way they handle media i mean roy will answer anything i think mac will too um especially when it comes to just regular injury stuff day to day stuff they're both pretty good and of course they got stories and i mean it's it's kind of cool that's the only coach i've covered is roy williams for for basketball i think that's i mean that's that's one of the best to to, to do it so i'd get roy not a bad way to do it uh greg same question for you and you can't say Roy Williams or Matt Brown. Okay, well, but I think I think to Ross's point, um, as sports writers, we're incredibly fortunate to be covering the level of program that we are, uh, and you know, to interview anybody from you know, whether it was Dean or, or Guthridge to even Matt Darty. I mean, there's a lot of guys there uh, that you're just kind of blessed to be able to talk to these people which is very neat. Uh, but again, I, I go back to my Gastonia ties and I, I'll tell you this story real quick. So when I played junior high basketball with uh, Greer junior high in Gastonia, uh, not a lot of money. So you had to recycle your basketball uniforms. And so my year, uh, I'm not sure if it was eighth grade or ninth grade, my year, the recycled uniforms that we used was what James Worthy used when he played for Greer and the stories, you know, around Gastonia, James walked everywhere with his basketball. He, he dribbled it everywhere he went. Uh, and so whatever year that was, we actually got to wear. Now, his, his uniform, of course, had been retired. It was hanging up in the, in the lobby of the, of the school. Um, but we got to use his team's uniforms. And the funny thing is, I mean, you know, they're two-inch inseam, right? I mean, it's like basically a, a woman's bathing suit is what it looked like. Um, nothing fit. 
you know, 20 years old. But that's what we wore, and we were proud because it was James Worthy. And so, you know, fast forward to Washington, D.C., uh, however many years ago, and James was there for one of the ACC events. So I interviewed him, and after it, I'm like, James, I just got to let you know, like, you know, from Gastonia, uh, when I was in junior high, we actually wore the uniforms that you, your team wore. It was always a big deal. And I'll never forget, he's kind of looking at me like, all right, now, thanks, for, thanks for sharing that. Like, <laughs> completely, he was like, dude, you're a freak. Like, why are you even bringing this up? But I, uh, <laughs> I didn't, that, that was off the record conversation. That, that wasn't part of the interview, but I had to get that in the last minute just to see what he was saying. Needless to say, he was not impressed with, with that line of conversation. <laughs> There's a book coming, folks. One day down the road, there's a Greg Barnes book about all these stories. Uh, boys, I think we've covered everything. On the Beat podcast, Johnny T-Shirt's the sponsor, Ross Martin, Greg Barnes, live from the beach, straight from the golf course. Um, I guess next week we'll have a chance to talk about a game coming up. We'll see the way this season's going. Who knows? But I do appreciate you guys joining me tonight. Thanks, Tommy. Yep. Thank you, Tommy. Yeah, rate us, review us, subscribe, do all of that. Johnny T-shirt, visit them, get 10% off your order. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.